Here we are. Here we are. Big episode. Yep. Episode, uh, well, I guess this is episode <laughs> eight, but this is part three of our kind of faith journey yep. episode. I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. I kind of am too. And I don't really get nervous talking about anything, really. That's true. You love to talk. I love to hear my own voice. Kind <laughs> it's of. It's your favorite thing. I'm kind of, yeah. And with this, I'm nervous. So nervous that we even prayed. <laughs> Yeah. Before we started. I think what makes me nervous about this is talking about like talking about the past and where we were. It's like that's the past. Yes. But like who we are now kind of gives way for rejection in the present and where we're at now. It's a vulnerable yeah. thing to talk about this stuff. It really is. Um. But before we jump into today's topic, I want to just give some acknowledgments, man. Like our second uh, part of this series, so this would be episode seven, um, Why We Quit Ministry, just our last episode, we have received an overwhelming response. I feel like every time I check our DMs on Instagram um, or I uh, throughout the day, I'm getting pings on Facebook Messenger of people reaching out and messaging and saying, Hey, thank you so much. Some version of thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, we, I appreciate your vulnerability. And then they go on to share their story or yeah. something that they remember. And some of these are people that attended the same churches that we attended. Some of these are people that I never knew their face story. Some of these are people that, um, yeah, We've even met like recently, even recently. So it's like, who didn't know during that time. I've been sharing these with you. Were you pretty caught off guard, like with how many messages we've been getting? Yeah, I kind of was. I I don't know. But it was nice. I feel like kind of affirming that we weren't. It was very alone. I felt very affirmed. I felt like this is like, man, this is like we're on the right track. Like this is yeah. this is good. Um, I do want to wake make one statement about the last episode. Um we talked a lot about some injustices that we've seen and some things behind the scenes. But I want to also publicly acknowledge that, like, I can guarantee you I played a role personally in people's church hurt. Right. There are a few names that come to mind immediately where mm -hmm. I know I hurt them. And some of those people have been apologized to. Some of those people have not. Um, and I think that just talking about this has just reminded me, like, man... I should probably circle back around and apologize to some of these people that I know that I hurt. And so I just want to publicly acknowledge, like, I'm not perfect and I never claim to be. And if you are someone that I hurt, I mean, I, I am sorry. Mm -hmm. And I do plan on reaching out to people. Um, I may not know I hurt you too. And if that's something that happened, like I would love to have a conversation about that. Uh, so I just, I just want to throw that out there and, I also want to say in that last episode, with the exception of Mark Jackson, <laughs> I hold no ill will towards anyone in those past circumstances. And I honestly, I know there's a level of accountability to be had, but I really don't even blame them. I really blame the system. In, in the church system in America, there is a gravitational pull. Like when you just exist in that environment, it pulls you in a direction that just at the 
at the end of the day, you end up hurting people. And so you end up being the most unhealthy version of yourself as well. So I just want to acknowledge that as well. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or anything like that. No, I think that's awesome that you can acknowledge that. Um, cause it's easy to point blame on or just acknowledge the hurt that we've gone through yeah. and not think about how we could yeah. have hurt others as well. I just wanted to start off with that. Uh, also, I want to acknowledge our coffee mugs that we have. Lara is drinking. Why don't you describe the mug you're drinking from? It says Sinner's Welcome. Sinner's Welcome. I don't even know where this came from. I think it was Andrew's. Most of our It was our brother's <laughs> church. He visited. He was, let me, let me go off on something for a second. What? This church, it's a local church. Oh, no. They give away coffee mugs to first-time guests. And on them, they say, Sinner's <laughs> Welcome. Oh. Who in their right mind? I, I mean, love it. We keep it because we think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But like, <laughs> I don't know. That just does not make sense to me. I won't go off too much on that. But that's yeah. what a silly gift to give someone. Yeah. Uh, unlike Emo's Not Dead, highlight their coffee mug. I'm, we're drink, I'm drinking tea out of it. Where they're like, oh, you buy our product. We're going to give you a really badass coffee mug for spending money. And we're not going to call you a sinner or a piece of shit or anything like that. Oh, no. Anyways, so there's that. You ready to dive into this episode? Let's do it. Okay. This one we actually tried to prepare for in terms of like making some notes. So if you see any video of this and I'm looking at the phone, um, I'm looking at our notes that we have because there's a way that we really wanted to start this one off. Go away, no caller ID. I just got a call. I'm looking at our notes. You asked a question at dinner. Do you remember what that question was? think so i mean i we I think... we went before this we went and ate tacos at taco tj's to fuel up for this and to talk about it <laughs> yeah it wouldn't have been fun to talk about on a on a real date well like on a hungry stomach oh yeah for this. sure um let's see what did i ask you oh i was just wondering like what do you remember from time like that time right out of ministry yeah and I think that's a really, I like that. That's a really good transition because the way that we ended our last episode was like, we quit ministry. Mm-hmm. Here's what I remember about that season of our life. We had, it was all, it all worked out so well. It's almost like God orchestrated it. <laughs> uh, we had actually moved out of our apartment and we're like, I just gotten a raise at the church and we we're like, you know what? We're making all this extra money. Like, let's move out of this ha- this apartment and let's begin to save for a home for our family. You know, we had a son at the time, uh, our son Sterling. I don't know how old he would have been, too. Not quite. Something like that. He would have been a little over a year. Okay. So a little over a year old. And we're like, let's move out. Let's move into your parents' camper on their property. And uh, we were like, we'll be able to save. Like, they were going to let us live for free there. And we would have been able to save all mo- a large chunk of well, money. Yeah. So we did that for a few months. And then, surprise, surprise, we ended up quitting and we were able to quit immediately and not feel tied down to ministry like we couldn't make a decision like that um because we didn't have rent now that being said it was scary as hell um i don't want to get into the whole camera story in this because i know we've talked about it on the podcast but like i uh, photography ended up being the way that we survived at that time um so i remember being very confused when we left, like I remember living in the camper 
it being fall and it being really pretty on your parents' property. And I remember spending a lot of time just sitting outside and thinking yeah. about what we had just gone through. Um, what do you remember about that time? I guess I don't remember a whole lot of like, I guess thinking about it when we were in the camper, I am at, I just remember, um, you getting into, would that be like FedEx at the time? And when did I do that? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I might I don't have know, I just remember like a dramatic shift it was like in a how two or our three time months. was spent. Like, it was like a two or three month process. Yeah. I think when we were there, like in the camper that we were there. It was just a different it was schedule. Weird... Like I I went from like being able to see you kind of during the days, like in the flexibility of like a pastor's schedule to, <laughs> to you being gone most of the day. Yeah. With um, FedEx. Yeah. And I don't know. I just remember that being like the biggest shift. Like our our whole lifestyle changed for yeah. one. And then yeah, just seeing you kind of question things. Yeah, I think FedEx played a big part in that, honestly. Um, because I had so much time on the road. Like, oh, I don't know if you remember this before I get to me. I feel like you also told me that you had felt numb during that season. Yeah. Do you want to expand upon that or like I mean I I think I was just kind of hurt. I was I was pretty shook up about the situation where like, you know, when we left and how to tell the kids bye and not really getting to say our reason why like I don't know. I just remember Yeah, being upset about the whole situation. Kind of like being in a even in a state of mourning, I think both of us. Mm-hmm. Like we had lost something that we had loved so much. And I even remember our attitudes towards the very end of our time in ministry was like at that first church was like, we can't control what's happening in other areas of the church. And we disagree mightily with things that are going on, but we can really control what's happening in our area. And us really just like making a lot of changes and like seeing really positive things with the kids. And so it was such a sad thing to not have that anymore. Yeah. It was very sad. Um, I got a job at FedEx and I started listening to podcasts because I had a lot of drive time. Um, And interestingly enough, a big part of my deconstruction journey was listening to a podcast called The Bad Christian Podcast. Um, There is a band called Emory. Uh, Some of you guys may know them. They were a like a a emo band, uh, you know, like in the early 2000s. And they were my favorite band and still are my favorite band. Um, I found out that they had a podcast and that they were Christians. And funny enough, I remember listening to an episode when I was in ministry and I turned it on and I was like, these guys don't know what the hell they're talking about. And I turned it (laughs) off and I actually thought back to that episode. And I was like, when I was processing everything, like, man, I, I was starting to question everything. It was like this person who was the lead pastor at the church that I worked at was also my student pastor. And I felt so disappointed in them. And I was like, man, if this person has played such a huge role in my life for such a significant amount of time, and, and I am questioning their integrity, their motives, the things that they're doing, like what makes me not question the things that they shared with me, biblically speaking, and the truth right. that they shared. And so it was kind of like, I don't know what to believe anymore. 
Um, and so I want to give a, a definition of deconstruction. Uh, but do you have a definition of deconstruction? How would you describe it? I mean, simply put, I would just say questioning, like questioning. your beliefs. Okay. I like that. Yeah. That's a really simple explanation. I'm going to give also a simple definition, but a little, um, I've kind of tweaked one that I found online. Uh, but here's a definition of deconstruction that I would agree with is what we went through. Um, a critical reappraisal of the faith you grew up with or an honest acknowledgement of doubts and questions. So reappraising the faith that you grew up with or an honest acknowledgement of doubts and questions that you may have surrounding the Bible, church, Christianity, any of that stuff. Yeah. Question your beliefs. <laughs> there are some people that would say deconstruction is about like completely taking your faith down to like square one. And even like, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. Like, I don't know what to believe. I, I don't know that that was it for us. Yeah. I don't know if we went. I will say throughout my whole deconstruction process, I never questioned the person of Jesus. Um, but that's mostly yeah. because there were so many things that happened in my life and experiences that like, I couldn't right. not like, because I had gone through those experiences, they were so real. Like I, I couldn't. Can you think of any experiences that you went through? Um, yeah. I mean, I think, a, uh, there was so many financial things that happened in my life where I've seen God like show up in ways that are so incredibly random that maybe there's a chance that they were random. Like I think a skeptic would probably go, well, that's just random. That's just universe. I like to attribute it to like, there is a creator, a being God, uh, you know, the mm -hmm. God of the Bible, the God of like that God, I would acknowledge that like, I believe that was him providing for me and for us and our family. Um, and there's been ran like thousands and thousands of dollars being dropped in our lap when we needed it most, like as a, as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult, single adult, and as a married person, I saw that play out time and time again right. when my back was against the wall and I had no other option, God coming through in the clutch. Um, and he well, still does that to this and day. And it's like through people, like God can't, I don't know. I He uses, yes. He yes. uses, it's not like I just find an envelope. Of yeah. Money. It's okay. using <laughs> yeah. people yeah. to bless us and provide for us in that way. So there's been a lot of that. There's been a lot of ex experiences that I've had to, to where it, I feel like I have felt the presence, the love of God, just overwhelming emotions like that I attribute to God. And there's been several big instances in like in my life like that. And then mostly the existence of overwhelming, unexplainable peace in chaotic in bad situations in my life and hopeless situations in my life that I have felt the peace, the love of God that I have seen other friends cripple under things that are going in in their life that did not have the same peace that did not have that. Um, yeah. And I believe that that's God, you know, um, something that like I've asked for, like, God, I am, you know, in many of your hospital stays that you've had, you know, almost dying for 30 times that we've been married. Like, no, like, I mean, there was like two instances for sure. Well, one of them actually without you, but yeah, other where I'm like, I mean, I'm, feels like I'm dying. Like every time you're in the hospital, I think you're going to die. Um, but like that and having peace in those moments where like asking God, like, God, I need it. Like, please give me peace. And like having that. So it's weird, like undeniable. Yeah. I get that. So, so it's like with those experiences, you really can't deny the existence of God because it's like I've 
felt and had experiences and that I've are I've seen yeah. people work I don't know through him. I've seen all sorts of things and some people may be like well those aren't big things but like they were to me and they were enough for me. Yeah. To and attribute I, to the goodness of God. Yeah. You know. And I think for me too like when we've talked about this that like those dark moments that you've experienced in your life like um for me i'm like if there's so much darkness there's also there has to be light the light and so just kind of believing that and you know there's times where i was even you know you you could easily get in the situation of like well these really terrible things happen like how is there a god like you know but then having these other instances where it's like he did show up and without i think this force you know like my life there's been situations where it could turn out entirely different i could just like not even be here you know you have also literally seen spiritual beings yeah and shadow figures and what we would call like demons or demonic entities or like yeah you've seen and experienced some very dark things right you know like all sorts of stuff i don't like as a child as a child that were very that happened in your formative years things being thrown around rooms and yeah like all sorts of and seeing physical entities things like that yeah super scary um and so with that it's kind of like you know the narrative in any movie and any storytelling is always good versus evil dark versus the light bad guy versus the good guy. Yeah. And I just feel like it's natural to go, well, if I've had and seen and experienced these dark things, there's got to be a light side to this. Yeah. And you've experienced both the darkness and the light. Yeah, um, definitely. Which I think is important to us because our faith has never been, I don't, well, I, I'll make a statement and you can let me know if you agree with this statement. Mm-hmm. My faith has never been, like the foundation of my faith has never been the Bible. Yeah. The foundation of my faith has been my experiences with what I, with whom I attribute to be the God of the Bible. That's where like my faith comes from. Not because this scripture said this and this and this. And Agreed. for some people they're like, "Well, how do you know that's God? How do you know this?" And it's like that's just what I'm choosing and I'm believing like that's who that's talking about. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, no. I I agree with that for sure. Sorry. I need to turn off like Okay, now, no text messages. Okay, had to put do not disturb on. I keep getting <laughs> these pings. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to make that clear, like, and state that off the bat. Um, and that was like also giving that definition for deconstruction. That's what we're talking about. We are in this place to where our experiences in ministry, at least specifically for me in this instance, had caused me to go, yep. I just don't know if I can believe everything that I was told by this person that was reading the Bible and this was their interpretation of what was going on. I don't know if I can believe these things anymore. So I started listening to this podcast and in it, they had all sorts of guests on there that were tackling all sorts of things, all sorts of topics, taboo topics, things about sexuality, things about homosexuality, things about um, uh, hell being real, uh, all, all sorts of topics, you know that people question over, you know, like good, bad things happening in the world. All of these topics that like were things that I was questioning and to find a podcast that was discussing it openly. And like, this was so huge. Now I will say, I didn't believe everything that they said, but it was like 
so nice to have not just a podcast of people who were thinking through these things, but also a community. They had a community, an online community called the Bad Christian Club, the BC Club. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to all of my BC friends, um, people that I still talk to to this day, people that we have gone on vacations with and hung out with, yeah. um, people that we've gotten shit-faced with, <laughs> like just amazing, amazing human beings who we all support one another in well, all aspects Well, it's cool because it's finally, like it was finding a group of people that a lot of them, they were in similar spaces. They were questioning a lot of their beliefs. They weren't maybe Christian enough to hang out with the church going Christians, yeah. but they weren't completely like not saying there was a God either yeah. and atheist. So it was like, we, I don't know. This it is was great. Easy. It was this gray area. Yeah. And it felt like in the church, the church has always been this place that's very black and white, at least in the churches that we've been a part of. Mm. And so to find this community where it's like, hey, we're kind of in this gray area. Like we don't, really know but we're walking through it and we're trying to figure it out like that was so pivotal and huge for me to have yeah. so shout out to the bc club shout out to house two if you know you know and if you don't know you don't know <laughs> but that's kind of where we were when we left i want to talk about an article that i heard about um if you just google something like six pillars of deconstruction uh it should pull up this article um, but it was written by an author named Keith Giles. He is a very controversial person uh, around deconstruction. I don't necessarily believe everything that he believes, um, but he asks a lot of really good questions. And I happen to agree with this article. This article he wrote, and he basically interviewed lots and lots and lots of people to that asked them, what led you to start your deconstruction process? And he came up with six pillars of deconstruction. These are the six things that most people who go on this questioning their faith journey, it's normally one of these six things, at least one, most likely multiple things. So I'm going to go through they? this list. You don't know any of these. No. And I want you to tell me. If uh, we did them? If, if this was an issue that kind of led towards you questioning things. Okay. So number one thing that led people to uh, deconstruct, this is just number one on the list, the Bible. Uh, and this could be, their beliefs surrounding the Bible, their beliefs surrounding um, if the Bible was written by God in a spiritual, supernatural way through man, or if it was uh, a mixture of man and God, like man adding their own words, but God inspiring some of it, which leads to other questions. Well, then what does that mean? Did God, like what parts did God inspire like that? And then some people even believing like, nope, the Bible is a man-made book. It's written, blah, blah, blah. So there's like lots of wiggle room in here, but it's basically people questioning the legitimacy of the Bible. Isn't it, is it inerrant? Which inerrancy would mean that the, that the word of God is, um, it is perfect. It is without error. It is flawless. It is, you know, written by God. Like that's the viewpoint that I grew up with, that the Bible cannot, should not, um, and will not be questioned. Uh, to question the Bible is to have no faith at all. It's kind of what I grew up with. Um, and for me, this was the biggest thing that led me to deconstruct my faith was the inerrancy of the Bible. Um, how do I know that what is being written was written and inspired by God? Or was some of it inspired by man? Or 
if I'm a, I was a pastor and I did bad things and I hurt people and these other people are pastors and they wanted to do the right thing, but they did the bad thing. Like, how do I know that these people in the Bible did the right thing and wrote the right things? Yeah. Also, you can li- literally start to do a deep dives and find that there are some big discrepancies in the New Testament when things were written like, hey, uh, the Gospels, the Gospel of John. I'm not going to get all these numbers right, so don't come after me. If you want to go look at it, just go look out like, look Google like time periods that the Gospels were written. But it's something like, okay, don't quote me, something like it wasn't John who wrote John, and it wasn't the disciple of John who wrote John, well, yeah. and it wasn't the disciple of the disciple who wrote John. It was the disciple of the disciple of the disciple who yeah. wrote the words of John. So that's getting passed down multiple times across many, many, many years. Like what's being lost in translation. Yep. Kind of thing. Yep. What's been lost over time. Like there's a lot of that there. So that's one of the big pillars of deconstruction is the Bible. Was that ever an issue for you? Yeah. I mean, I think I was, I've been a natural skeptic since i was a child you know i just ellie gets that from i know she does (laughs) she's like if god created the world then who created god i'm like you're five do we have to talk about this right now when she was like four yeah something crazy and we're like like, oh you were your daughter you were your mom's daughter yeah um yeah so i i just naturally had a lot of questions myself so um yeah, it didn't take much for me to question it even more. So I think watching you g- even go through the process of questioning the Bible, it felt very comforting for me because I so desperately felt like I was supposed to believe that it was perfect. Like I'm yeah. a pastor's wife. Same. Like I should I mean, believe everything in this. Um, and so, yeah, it was just kind of cool that I was like, oh, <laughs> he's human. He's he's questioning something. <laughs> The Bible I'm not was, alone. The Bible was a big one, man. And and that's the first one. The next one is hell. Um, and specifically the idea of hell being an eternal place of torment. Yeah. Um, the words that people would use are eternal conscious torment. And so uh I will say this is also something that has been an issue for me that I've never been able to quite swallow. You know, there's the viewpoints that like, oh man is sinful, man deserves wrath, they get what they deserve, but it's like always been so conflicting with like, but wait a minute, if God is love and yeah. he is the best representation of love and he is all perfect, if he's perfect and has perfect love and if perfect love casts out all fear, scripture, that's in the Bible, then like, what does that say about the love that we should have? What does that say about God's love that God would be so immature to say, fuck you, you didn't choose me. Like you get to burn forever and ever and ever. And I'm not just saying God said, fuck you. I'm saying I'm adding my spice to that. But like God going, oh, you don't choose me. Guess what? I don't choose you. You get to burn forever. Like it seems kind of crazy. The more loving thing to do would be like, hey, guess what? Like you don't choose me. That's okay. I still choose. And what was hard for me too was that, you know, if we're supposed to be all his children, but he also created like, free will like the opportunity for us to choose him or not and he was the creator why would he create something or somebody that he knows isn't gonna gonna choose him like does he just want like is this a sick twisted game yeah like so wait you're gonna create 
a person that you know isn't going to choose you because you're an all-knowing God and then just to burn forever? Like, yeah. we, you should like, go talk what's, to our Calvinist friends about that. They, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what's what's they, what's the point of creating them? Yeah, if you were just going to torture, if you're them. just going to have a barbecue with them, you know, like, yeah, it was, it, it doesn't. It never logically made sense to me. And I will say that has also been a big part of my deconstruction is like, I feel like so many people blindly believe and blindly follow, but like God gave us a brain. Yeah. And like, it doesn't make sense. Like, tell me how that makes sense. And people will go, well, that's the Bible. That's the word of God. Like, you don't question that. That's just the way that it is. Or they will bend verses or they will find supporting verses to support their viewpoints. But guess what? The Bible has verses that support many different viewpoints. This topic of hell alone, there are three different viewpoints that the Bible supports. Yeah. Eternal conscious torment, which is that you will burn forever and ever and ever, and you will be tortured if you don't choose God. It also supports um, annihilationism. (laughs) Annihilationism is the belief that uh, you will experience the most immense amount of pain ever imaginable for a split second, and then you will cease to exist. And there is no heaven. There is no hell. You don't exist anymore. Yeah. So there is the Bible supports that with scripture. Uh, the Bible also supports universalism. That That's what all I wanted to choose redeemed, to believe. <laughs> that like all will be redeemed. Everyone, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Like just go Google it. Yeah. Versus uh, different views of hell point in the Bible. Also, Keith, this author, Keith Giles, writes a book on hell that is pretty good, where he does a lot of the breakdowns of the Greek words and Hebrew words and like all that stuff. So you can check him out. Um, but make your own, you know, as with anything, like pray about it and see what God's telling you. Like that's yeah. kind of my viewpoint with everything now. Like, I don't know, pray about it, see what God's telling you. Yeah. Your journey is your own. So hell is another one. Penal substitutionary atonement. Do you have any idea what that is? Is that like the like circumcision? What is that? Is it because I said penal and you thought that? Yeah, was what is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you said another word. Penal substitutionary Subst- atonement. Atonement. What is that? So I'm going to read off a definition that's a lot simpler because it can kind of get really confusing, but it's not that confusing. Simply put, PSA theory says that God's wrath was so great against mankind's sinfulness that Jesus had to come and to take a bullet for us receiving the full fury of God's burning wrath on the cross so that now God can love and forgive us. So is that basically Which like... that doesn't make any fucking sense to me because you're like, God can do anything, but he can't just forgive us without there being death. And his son's death. And like immense wrath. So it's like, wait a minute. So is wrath greater than God? Like... There's all of these questions that you begin to like if you just start to think logically about this. Well, and then so much doesn't add up. Yeah. But this, this theory, like, okay, so in another way put, yeah, in put order it in for easier man to words. be in order for us to be saved, Jesus had to go to the cross and die. Okay. Like so is that, that even doubting like Jesus went to the cross and died? The, no, that's more about like why. Like okay. why Jesus had okay. to die. Or some people call it the abbreviated version is PSA. Yeah. So um, but it's this idea that in order for us to be saved and to be in relationship with God again and to be right, Jesus had to come to earth, live a perfect life, die on a cross, take all of God's wrath, and then God could love us because now we've been wiped clean and we're spotless. People have That's issue crazy. with that. That is a pillar of deconstruction. Yeah. Suffering in the world. Big one. Why do bad things happen to good people? 
how can we live this life here in America? And then in Africa, there are uh, people that are dying and starving. Better yet, take what's going on in the Middle East right now. And how are there people, two countries that are fighting and people are dying in hospitals right now that are being bombed and like wars and things like that. Like how can a loving God exist in this world where bad things happen? Yeah. For some people, that's a really big issue. That's never really well, been and then a thing to me, me it's like if Jesus paid for all our sins too, it's like why is there all that suffering still? Like, yeah, sometimes that I don't know. There's, yeah. No, <laughs> there's like a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions that come from these things. Yeah. Next one, the end times. Okay. People get really worked up about the end times, and they get really super involved in reading all the books. And we, we have family members who are all about the end times. That's all they want to talk yeah. about. Jesus coming back. Uh, but this, that's a thing for them. I'm kind of speeding through these. Now. Yeah, no, that's fine. And lastly, the church. Big one. And this is a very vague one, but it could be like, I was hurt in the church or I saw things behind the scenes. Uh, it, it's very broad, but like the church and experiences that they had within the church and things that happened to them have caused them to question. Um, so for me, it would be the church, the Bible and hell. Those would be the three that like were pretty big for me. Any of those stand out to you for you? Yeah, I think mine were the same as well. The church, the Bible, and hell. Yeah. So I want you to imagine your faith as a Jenga tower, right? Imagine Jenga, okay? And at the bottom of this Jenga tower are two, two, uh, the, like the bottom two rows are Jenga pieces. So there's three and three, right? Like three mm -hmm. go one way and three go the other way that sit on top of those other three. And each of these Jenga pieces has the Bible written on it. The other one has hell. The other one has PSA. The other one has suffering in the world. The other one has end times. The other one has the church. As you begin to remove these core foundational beliefs, that Jenga tower starts to get really, really wonky, right? Like it starts to get wonky and you pull out the Bible and it's like, oh, you're just pulling out one. And then you pull out another one that's, let's say it's, you know, uh, suffering in the world. Then you pull out another one. All of a sudden, your faith and your life is built on these big things. And like your faith gets really, really sketchy, all because you had questions and doubts. And then your tower eventually collapses and comes toppling down. I like to say people don't choose to go on a deconstruction journey. I feel like there's this big belief within the church and people in ministry and pastors that they think that people are just being rebellious and that they like want to- Like it's like some fad. Like yeah. everyone just wants to go- It's the trendy thing. Like, let's bring back Doug. Let's yeah. bring Doug. <laughs> well, those, those deconstructionists, they just want to go out there. They just want to question everything. And they just want to go sit. They want to give it to the desires of the flesh. They just want to go and party and, and smoke weeds and do all that bad stuff. They just want to go, go crazy. And it's like, no, that's not- it, no. you come, your experiences lead you to a place to where you can't help but question because of yeah. your experiences. What is the Bible? The Bible is a book of people writing about their personal experiences with God. Some of that may be inspired. Some of that might not be inspired. I personally believe it's probably a mixture of the inspired and not inspired. There's no way to know what is or what isn't in my eyes. Um, mm -hmm. 
experience is all we have in this world. It's all we have on this earth. It shapes us. It molds us into who we are. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you felt okay, like. Okay, Pastor Chris. I can't help it, man. I get, like, I, get real, I get real passionate about this, but it's like, I, the, the thing that I hate the most is for someone in ministry in a position of, of authority to look at someone else and to go, you can't believe that, or you shouldn't believe that, or invalidate someone's experiences because it's like, you have no clue. Or even leave room to ask questions. There's a lot of that, like shutting things down for asking questions. Like, I don't know if you've ever had experiences with like that or like people making you feel dumb because you questioned, did you ever feel growing up or in church, like there was room for questions for you? Not really. I mean, I definitely was in my head most of the time about it. What do you think that would have like done for you to be in a space that like held room for questions? Like those ones that like you wanted to ask, but you might've felt like, um, I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to make, they're going to make me feel dumb. I think it would have allowed me, I don't know, to get closer to Jesus sooner, honestly, in a really authentic way. I think I, for so long, like, even though I had questions, like I felt like I needed to fit into the mold of this is how it's supposed to be. This, th- these are the answers. This this is what it is. And I feel like it was something I was trying to fit into rather than, I don't know, like this natural, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I think, no, it does make sense. It does make sense. I think, you know, this, this episode, the purpose of it is to share like where we're at now in like kind of the deconstruction process and how we navigated it. For me, navigating the deconstruction process was just like giving myself time and allowing myself to wrestle with questions and trying to find answers, but also like getting comfortable being in the gray. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know that I'm necessarily in a deconstruction process anymore. I think it may have lasted like four or five years for me. And, but it wasn't this like active thing that I was like going out in. There were seasons of activity where I was like reading books and listening to podcasts and things like that. But there was a lot of like, conversations with God that I was like, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I don't know why this is this way and trying to do research and find answers on topics. But I think navigating deconstruction looks like getting really comfortable with not having all the answers. Definitely. And I think that's kind of where we're at now. Like I still have questions. Mm -hmm. I have way more questions that I have answers, but I have a lot of peace having questions. Which is crazy because I feel like when we were in ministry, like it felt like you had to have all the answers. And if you didn't, you were kind of a failure. <laughs> like you had to, like, and we would speak with certainty. Yep. You, you, even if there was a question, it was like, Hey, I'm going to figure that out for you right. kind of thing and get back with you. Oh, man, and that, now that it's just so like rough. mostly questions you of, know? or just being able to be like, you know what? I don't know. And then I don't know even know if it matters. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's the big thing, man. You know, like, I think where I've kind of landed with a lot of these things, like take the Bible, for instance, like I have a complicated relationship with the Bible, but again, like going back to it, although it was a Jenga piece, my faith was never based on the Bible and what it said to me. I didn't believe in Jesus because the Bible told me to. I believed in Jesus because I saw my family change dramatically. I saw my dad, who would have been considered an alcoholic, changed in a split second. Mm -hmm. I saw I lived in a home 
that was riddled with immense amount of fear and all in a second go to a home of peace. I saw all sorts of things. I saw God provide for my families in ways that we'll never know. And it's not because that was in scripture anywhere. It's because that was my personal experience. And that is why I believe in Jesus. Not because a book tells me to. Yeah. That being said, the Bible should and can, no, I don't want to say should. The Bible can reveal aspects about the identity of God that are very helpful to us. I want to say, here's what I believe about the Bible, but I got to look up the verse real quick. <laughs> um, but I believe that the Bible, what I believe about the Bible is what the Bible says about itself. Interesting. Let me, I'm looking it up. Jason would know this. First Timothy chapter three, 16 through 17. Oh, it's taking me to Facebook. Oh, no. Why did it take me there? Oh, God. Here it is, BibleGateway.com. This is the NIV. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for the good work of ministry. Now, that phrase, God-breathed, you got to go and do some Hebrew because people think, they may think that like God is saying these things like, like that. In it, yeah. Go do a word study on it. But it says that the Bible is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It doesn't say that the Bible is perfect. It doesn't say that the Bible is the end all be all of your faith. Like that's how the Bible speaks of itself. And different translations will have different variations of that, but it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training up in righteousness. Yeah, It's useful to make you better, to make you a better human. I'd agree with that. I mean, it was like going back to the Bible and its translations, I think, that was something that I struggled with, with yeah. the Bible. And um, when we listened to the podcast, what was it? Bema the, the Bema podcast. podcast yeah. And it was rabbis like breaking down and like scripture by scripture. I think they were starting in Genesis. They were going to do every book of the Bible. And yeah. it was like literally right in the beginning. They're, they're breaking it down and they're talking about it. And it made me realize how much we have wrong yep. <laughs> like from what we're taught like so much is lost in translations and even how it was written for a specific people group and what was going on specific in that period time, like specific place and even just the whole like base concept all sorts of cultural context yes. that we're missing like and i'm like wow like if we aren't even teaching you know, the beginning of creation properly in Western churches, like what else could be I remember your not mind being right? Blown yeah. After we listened to that. Yeah. More because there I was already so much to take in. Yeah. I was like, this is, this is crazy. Uh, so. I want to give a little shout out to the Bayma podcast. Um, this is a podcast uh, by a guy named Marty Solomon. And uh, I can't remember the other guy's name. I think it's Brent, Brent Billingsworth, I think is what his name is. But uh, Marty is a rabbi. He is a um, Messianic Jew, which mm -hmm. means he believes that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, he used to be an Orthodox Jew, but he is not that anymore. Um, and so they have created this. I mean, they're still going. They might even be in like season seven or season eight, but they walk through the entirety of the Bible and they take kind of chapter by chapter 
Um, and they do a deep dive into like, here's what this means. It blows away any teaching that you will ever hear in an American church because of the cultural context yeah. and because of all of that stuff. And you hear it there. And there's just so, like, there was a point where we were like, man, we want to be Jewish. Like, how can we become Jews? <laughs> yeah. Because there's just everything about this is just like, just makes sense in the right way. So if you're someone that's like on a journey and like, you're like very yeah. early in your deconstruction phase, like if I could point you to a resource, like go even look at that and go listen. It's spelled, it's spelled like Bema. B-E-M-A. I'll drop a link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and go start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, because it their story of creation, I swear to you have never heard Yahweh, it like this. You have never heard <laughs> a story yeah. of creation like this in your church. Yeah. I promise you. Um, go give it a listen. But yeah, that was a big thing for you. I yeah. remember your mind being blown. Yeah. Yes. And also so affirming that I'm like, even I'm not, I I guess right there I wasn't totally, it didn't have to matter if it was true or not, like everything that was said in the Bible, but I knew up to that point, the things that I had been taught could have been wrong or just maybe not necessarily wrong, but not yeah. what. Like missing lots missing and lots and something. lots of context. Yeah. It. Yeah. That was, that was a pretty big thing I know for me. Um, and then as far as hell goes, like I just, I've once heard it said that all Christians should be hopeful universalists. And I really believe in that statement. Like, if you are a Christian, you should hope that God restores and reconciles all things and things and that no one should go to hell ever. Um, But for me personally, I just can't believe that an all loving God, the God that I feel like I have encountered and experienced and have a relationship with, like, I don't believe that that is within his character to do that. Could he? Yeah, he could, but I don't believe it to be who he is. Right. Like, I just don't, I don't get it and I don't see it. And that doesn't feel like it's true to his character. Um, And so I believe that God is going to reconcile all things. I believe that God, I I wouldn't say that I go as far as to believe like all roads lead to God, bro. Like, (laughs) I don't think I believe that. But what I do believe is like, no matter what, like, God's going to fix all this shit and it's going to be good. And like, there will be love. There will be hope. There will be peace. Like as far as like what that looks like or Jesus coming back, like, I I don't know all that stuff. I don't know. But what I do know about God is like, I believe he is love. I believe he calls us to love. And I believe he calls us to be kind to people and to accept everyone. Yeah. Um, Homosexuality is another thing that I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like all those verses about like being gay and there is a lot of cultural context that's missing to that. A lot of it. <laughs> and a lot of those words that we think are translated to like homosexuality are all are actually like pedophilia, you know, and like, yeah, that makes sense. Like God doesn't want adults fucking kids. Like <sighs> I get it. I yeah, that feels really wrong. Yeah. But like a man loving a man and a woman loving a woman. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't have, like, I can't give you biblical biblical evidence that that is the way that God created it. But I I just feel like, man, if someone loves someone and they're like treating them right and they're not abusive and there's, they're kind and they're, you know, just like any other relationship, like, why not? Why not? Just doesn't feel right and fair. Yeah. I, I think there's just so many little things like that in the Bible where it's like, 
Why does also, it matter? You know, we recently came across, and I tried to do a little bit of study on this, and I, I didn't do a deep dive, but like I did find a little bit about it. But uh, I mean, it's been said that the writer of the KJV version of the Bible uh, was bisexual and like homosexual, like slept with other men. No. Oh, and okay. decided to change the verbiage to say like you know. Uh, oh no no, no wait a minute the other way it yeah was the other way around like he uh it was like he was a he, pedophile or he something. was a pedophile well he they was bi- did you he, actually he bi- research it yeah, a did. little bit he was bisexual and that he was a pedophile so that he used to fuck kids oh he was so, so gross you have used, to say it like that that's what it is <laughs> and that he changed the words like nah nah people won't accept pedophilia so we're gonna go ahead and have them be mad at the gays and we're gonna make it homosexual or something like that. A little bit like there <laughs> could could be wrong, but could be wrong. But like this is also just, doubt just it. the things. It's like, but I think when you get there, to no, a hold place, on, hold on. I want to say this. Okay, there are other th- studies out there on word studies about the church, like in the Bible, and using different phrasing, different phrasing, and changing wording that it doesn't actually mean homosexuality. Yeah, like just throwing that out there. Yeah. Also. A lot of those verses are found in the book of Leviticus, which is how the Levites were supposed to live their lives. I'm just saying. Just saying. Like, go and do some study <laughs> that, on that it. That message is for the little bit priests. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Anyways. <laughs> the other and the last thing would have been the church. Like, and we did a lengthy study about that, but just like our experiences caused us to question so much. Yeah. Like how church is supposed to be ran. What? I don't know. All things like that. I'm looking through our notes because I don't want to miss anything. But I feel like we're going to miss something. Oh. I think lastly, I think most people have probably gathered this. Um, or no. Yes, but what I want to talk about first is like, I think here's how we can wrap this up is like, what does it look like now for us to live in our faith or to live it out or to like, what does our faith look like now? Not just our beliefs, but like if at one point in our lives, we attended church every Sunday, we worked for the church, we tithe, we fasted, we read our Bibles, we worshiped, we gathered in community. We did all of those things. If that was the expression of our faith. And then we question it all. (laughs) And then then we question it all. And then like, what does it look like now? What do we still do? What do we don't do? Um, And ours are kind of similar, but a little different. Like, do we still go to church? No. We don't. Um, We don't go to church. Yeah. That being said, there is a church that we have found in the area um, that have a lot of respect for the pastor. Um, Very, very great honorable man super great his wife's amazing too uh shout out new life wichita shout out chad pickering um (laughs) and his wife shauna they are amazing amazing people um who we uh, like have the utmost respect for um if there was a church that we were going to go to it would be that one uh but quite honestly our sundays are so jam-packed um and if we just take back like what we said like we don't find value in the Sunday service, like it just feels like you go and you show up and you sit there. But if there was a church that we were going to go to, it would probably be that church. Yeah. And I would feel comfortable recommending that church to anyone in our city. 
Like I've seen Chad be a humble man, an honor, honorable man, a man of integrity. And I just have nothing but good things to say about him. Agreed. So, um, but we don't go to church anymore. Um, a lot of that is because, you know, we do weddings on Saturdays. I've started bartending. Uh, those happen on Saturdays and Sundays. And, and so, yeah, when we have a free Sunday, we're just trying to chill. And rest. We're trying to relax. I also yeah. live stream at an Episcopal church. Um, two so you times, two technically, times, so technically do, I do go to church. You do go to it's church. It's just a different expression. Um, and it's really cool. It's been cool to see something different. But yeah, I'm, I'm there to collect a paycheck, not there to commune with people. Uh. So uh, yeah, we, we don't go to church anymore. Um, do we still, but read what the is your faith? Yeah. What does your faith look like though? Do we still read the Bible? Occasionally. I feel like it's not something I feel pressured into now where it's like, okay, a part of being a Christ follower, I have to read my Bible. I have to pray. I have to do these things. Like now I just have the freedom to exist and know that I'm still loved and that it doesn't matter if I read my Bible or not every day. Like I still have a relationship with God and, you know, every once in a while I'll find myself like drawn to the Bible. Um, Yeah. I mean, there was that time phrase. Remember when I told you, like I was having like some, I mean, this would have been last year, maybe last fall. I was having some, no earlier this year would have been earlier this year. I was having some like intense urges, like some intense, yearnings feeling pulled towards the bible like literally the physical book like yeah i need to read this and um and i did and i read a little bit and i was like okay you got what maybe i got what i needed to get you know and um but yeah same same i'll read the bible if i feel led to um but that's not very often these days yeah i'll I'll be honest yeah in the last six years maybe it's happened six times um do we tie no, but I think we are we, generous. Yeah. Like I think, um, or at least we try to be. <laughs> yeah, I believe that generosity is something in our lives that we try to do and to, you know, it's like helping people and buying things for communities that we're a part of and, you know, like hosting people and cooking the meals and paying for everything. You know, like we have levels of generosity in our life that exist. Um but it's like going towards others, not fucking mailers in our city that, that people are going to throw away. Chris, what? Stop. The amount of money that gets wasted in churches Stop. is obnoxious. And actually, if there was a full breakdown, you would vomit to so know you're still bitter. what those dollars are going towards. Uh, I'm not bitter. I'm pissed off. Like, it's so dumb. Anyways, if you want to give your money to mailers, you can. But you would be better off. Actually, hold on. Okay. I'm going to say this. Here we go. If you want to get scripturally, if you want to go to Malachi, in Malachi, where the Bible talks about bringing the first tenths of your offerings, you know, yada, 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 fill the storehouse, that is for the Levites, the priests, the poor, and the women and the children. And also, what is a storehouse? What is a storehouse? What does it hold? stuff stuff food okay a storehouse holds food so if you really want to be biblical give someone a salad like give them food feed them care for them it wasn't 10 percent of your income to be spent on the functionings of a church or a city it was 
hey, we're going to give 10% of our crops and our food and things that we have so that we can care for the least of those. The widows, the orphan, the children, and the poor. Literally. Like the women and the children. Like that's what it was for. So, so how about we do, how about we do that? that over your head? Anyways. <laughs> Be generous. Give to people. Yeah. Love people that way. Um, and I guess also if you want to give to a church, you can. That's, that's great business. too. Yeah. Um, do we still... I think that might have been the last big one. We have community events. We have community. I feel like we have some of the most genuine community that we've ever had in our lives now. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think if I had to sum it all up, our faith might seem very passive to people. But to us, we've had to work really hard to get to a place where we feel comfortable existing and being. Right. So instead at of the doing... very end of episode one, I said, yeah. these days, our faith looks a lot less like doing and a lot more like being. There was a phase in our life and a time in our faith where we did all these things and like believed we had to do all these things to like stay in right standing with God and to be loved by him. And because this is what you do. And now it's just like, man, I can exist. Like I can just exist and just be. And know that regardless of wherever I'm at, I still have the love of God. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Like, I don't have to do anything. I can just be and I can just exist and not feel guilty. What is condemnation? That's like, that's not from God. Felt very preachy. It did. I was going to say, you just threw a verse in there. Like, the, <laughs> you just it, supported it by the Bible. <laughs> I think. How, whatever your faith journey looks like is okay. Yeah. If you are still in a church and you are still serving and you are still doing these things and you are still that, like, that's fine. That doesn't mean you need to tear your faith down. Like, you're not at that place in your journey and you may never be. But for those of us that have gotten to a place because of one of these six pillars or any other reasons, if you've navigated and you're to a fork in the road, you're like, well, I can continue to do the things that I've always done, even though it feels like something is wrong here. Or I can do the hard work of navigating this journey this other way. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be so much more fulfilled doing the hard work. And key word, hard. It can feel lonely. You can feel isolated. People will talk shit about you. No one will drop you faster from a community than Christians. I cannot tell you how many times the minute we stepped out of a church, all contact was lost with everyone. You know what? I did it too. I did it to people too. It's just the way it is. I'm not saying it's right, but that's the way it is. And do you got to do what's best for you and your faith and your walk. It's your faith journey. And I have to believe that God's going to lead us all down the paths that we need to go down. And at the end of the day, he's going to love us no matter what. I agree. Anything else? I think this podcast has been mostly me being like, I agree. Yeah, you said some good things. <laughs> Did I say a few? <laughs> I think this one was a little different because I am way more vocal about this topic and I do have a lot to say. I think we could have a sit here and have a conversation about like, hey, some of the biggest arguments that we've ever had. And I'd probably be pretty quiet because you have a lot that you could say about the things that I've said. I appreciate Perhaps. you. I appreciate <laughs> you being open to this conversation and letting me talk my ass off. No, I think it's good. It's all good things. If you have questions, hit us up. If you want to share your story, hit us up. 
there have been some people that have reached out and said, Hey, let's get together. Let's have a beer. Um, Hey, like we want to spend more time with you guys. We want to ask you questions about some of these things. Like we're here for all of it. I mean, we do live a busy life, but like not too busy for, we also care about people. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have anything else that I want to say except I'm just, I'm thankful for everyone listening. I'm thankful that we have a space to be vulnerable. Um, this podcast isn't going to be a faith podcast where we talk about faith all the time. Um, yeah, we but are, we wanted to get that. <laughs> this has been there. something that I know a lot of people have asked about on Instagram, um, especially like on our photography page and stuff. Every time we've asked for topics like faith has always been a big one. And so um, I don't know how much more we'll do of these. Like every now and then maybe we'll talk about faith stuff, I guess, as mm-hmm. our lives develop. But that kind of catches you up to where we are now. But you can expect to hear about marriage and parenting and business and yeah, some faith. Um, we just want to continue to have conversations like this. So continue to shoot us DMs. Thank you for that. Leave us a five-star review and tell us what you <laughs> love about the show. Uh, shout out to our friends, uh, Leanne and Ward who each wrote us a review and gave Aww, us those five-star reviews. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to read it to you. Um, so we re- really appreciate all the listens. We just love you. Yep. We love you, and if you disagree with us, that's okay, too. We still love you. We do still love you, but maybe not as much as other Stop. people who agree with no, us. No, don't. I didn't say don't. cuss words no, towards them. No, but you said- My but love maybe, is conditional. But maybe not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but really, you are allowed to believe whatever you want to believe. So, yeah. Is that all we got? Yeah. TTYL. TTYL.